Welcome to Seeking Alpha's Wall Street Breakfast, your daily source of market news and analysis. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Welcome to Seeking Alpha Editor's Roundtable, what moved markets this week for the week ending November 12th. 2021. Stocks are down a bit for the week. There was not all that much going on this week, but we did have an inflation report that came in hotter than expected, and that caused a sell-off, which we have yet to recover from. There was uh, quite a bit else in terms of data releases and, of course, earnings, which I will get into with the panel now. And they are in no particular order, Brad Olison, the VP of News, Kim Khan, Senior News Editor, and Stephen Alfer, Managing Editor of Breaking News. So let's move on to Kim and let him start us off with what moved markets this week. Yeah, as you mentioned, the inflation was the big story and was just reverberating around the different markets, as well as all the political discussion of what it meant with the CPI coming in above 6% for the month. And um, you saw a lot of impact in the bond market with the uh, yield curve flattening. Um, it was the uh, shorter end of the curve moving up that was doing the flattening. Um, it's the five-year yield moved up has moved up 20 basis points uh, this week, basically with um, all the traders like, pulling in their um, rate hike expectations. So Wells Fargo out today saying expects two rate hikes next year, plus all up by similar hikes uh, in 2023. So there's a lot of signals that the Fed has to do more on the inflation front. But as far as stocks are concerned, I mean, yes, they did sell off, but the S&P is now only about 20 points from where it was um, to break, you know, 20 points from break even. Right now, that's not a huge amount for a market that's been up five weeks in a row. People were expecting some consolidation anyway. So overall, equities held up pretty well. Yes, they did, although there were some notable losers, mostly in response to earnings, and of course, some winners. And for that, let's go to Brad. I don't know. Just because you know we had rates spiking doesn't mean the, the end is nigh near term, but I will point to the Bank of America report talking about when the 10-year yield does spike more than 50 basis points or more in a month, like we've seen recently. There does tend to be lackluster performance in the S&P 500 going out uh, about a month and a year from that moment. So you know we may not see all of that damage fully break through to the equity markets just now, especially like you said, Nat a heavy earnings week. Um, But talking about that, I guess earnings themselves are the winners. Um, Basically what we've seen in some of the the sell side research, Morgan Stanley and Barclays both see strong earnings outlook as a tailwind for equities long-term. But obviously there were some one-offs, some big moves this week. Beyond Meat was a a big loser. Um, You also had PayPal, which which lost a a lot of its market cap after after a surprise Miss there on some of their outlook, but non-earnings related on the upside, we saw that breakups were were kind of the news du jour, right? GE deciding to break up uh, into three separate parts, Toshiba also deciding to break up its conglomerate, and then J&J, just the most recent, uh, with shares popping there in in response. Um, The other big winner uh, on, on the upside, 
Tapestry, that's one of the few retailers that's done extremely well despite supply chain bottlenecks. They do have heavy exposure to Vietnam, but it looks like they have kind of moved a lot of their their sourcing away from from areas that have been deeply impacted by the supply chain. And also on the upside, the infrastructure passed, uh, the infrastructure bill passed, which gave a lift to some miners and industrials like Freeport McMoran, CF Industries. And then I guess less positive, but good for, for equities, you had Laboratory Core and Quest Diagnostics. There was some M&A chatter in Laboratory Core. These are testing companies, but we've also seen some, some, some reports here and there in Europe and also in the Western part of the US about some of the Delta variant popping up. So testing volumes are rising. That was reflected on the downside in some other equities, like the reopening names we've been watching over the past year, like the gaming stocks, MGM, Las Vegas Sands, the cruise liners as well, Norwegian Cruise and Royal Caribbean. The Royal Caribbean did have some some news of itself with, with one of their senior executives departing. Um, but the biggest loser, I guess, in terms of the news flow and also just in terms of pure percentage losses were, was going to be Tesla. It was one of the biggest winners last week. It helped the consumer discretionary uh, industry or sector, uh, excuse me, rise rather considerably. But its losses this week in the double digits on the back of selling from the CEO, a lot of press around that um, definitely just kind of weighed on, on, on shares there. He only did end up selling a, a couple billion dollars of his more than hundreds of billions of dollars of wealth in the name. And even at one point, I think he actually, due to the exercising of these options, actually owns more of Tesla than he did afterwards. Um, nevertheless, it's just a lot of news flow to, to, to kind of counteract when, you're, when your CEO is selling in such size nominally, even though the size on a relative basis is, is rather small. So just kind of rather interesting there on the, on the downside. Interesting. Yeah. On the breakups, the interesting thing, it's worth noting there that this is oftentimes a lot of what happens at the peak of cycles as companies are kind of becoming fully valued and looking for ways to increase value to shareholders. So something maybe worth watching there. What else was going on in the corporate world, Stephen? Twitter continues to languish and not to pick up on the Elon Musk news, right? The sales were announced via Twitter <laughs> or kind of announced, right? Saturday, he put out like, I'm going to do a poll here. If everyone thinks billionaires should pay more taxes, I'll, I'll sell some twi- some Tesla stock uh, if if everybody says yes. And he left the poll open for whatever, 24 or 36 hours. And and everybody, and I guess yes won by a, a sizable margin. So he sold stock. I'm sure he was planning on selling stock anyway. Well, he was. There was a, the the for right. the pre-range selling plan started in September um, for some of the sales, not all of the sales, it looks like. So on Monday, that had already been planned. Whether Tuesday and Wednesday, we you know, we don't we don't know exactly the full story there yet. Yeah. So but, you know, Twitter continues to the stock continues to not do much, even though I mean, the, the platform just continues to just kind of be the place to be for for any number of news things. But uh, to me, like like markets make opinions, right? And everyone, people are quickly forgetting the inflation number because the stock market didn't crash because of it. I don't know why the stock market would crash because of it, but it's a disastrous number: six point two percent year over year inflation, four point six percent. The core rate is disastrous from a political standpoint for the Fed, who's trying to like who continues to try to paper over for some reason, even the economy seems fine. Goldman Sachs now says uh, inflation is a bigger threat. Uh, to the economy than, than COVID. 
but still amazingly is only penciling in two rate hikes in 2022 and two rate hikes in 2023. Seems completely incongruous with, with what the numbers say. And going forward, we're going to have the chairman of the Fed being either a dove in Jay Powell or even somebody amazingly more dovish in Lael Brainerd. She had a visit to the White House this week. So, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on the Fed to, you know, maybe hike more than more than twice next year uh, if these numbers don't come down substantially. Um, we had the consumer sentiment number out this morning. Another disaster uh, just tumbled way below expectations, and the reason is inflation. Uh, Response are saying their their living standards are declining because of inflation. Uh, so that's just not good news again politically or for the Fed. Yeah. So, and you know we've kind of gone. <laughs> it's amazing we, we've gone from like in six months from there is no inflation to well there's inflation but it's transitory to well there is inflation to inflation is actually good for you. Uh, So that's kind of the stage we're at now. It's complete clown show kind of out there, but the numbers aren't good, at least at the moment. Yeah, especially coupled with the consumer sentiment being so low and and the inflation concerns did show up in in the consumer survey, if you read it. I'm glad you mentioned Twitter though, because I have a poll on my Twitter. Bill Ackman versus LeBron James, who you got? And at the time of this recording, Bill Ackman is winning 77% to 23%. So, but there's still time to vote. So you can do that. I wrote I in Elon Musk on that, on that poll, by the way. So. It's also important to know that we have, there were two data points out, right? There was quits, the quits rate from Jolts. Obviously that was September, not the November reading of the consumer price. And then the November, the Michigan is also a, a very notable, it's a, it's a survey, right? You're asking people how they feel. And I think even in the, the small print, they say that it is a heavily politically mm. geared survey. Um, and so people who are in one party or the other feel a certain way about whatever they feel like at any given moment based upon those feelings. I thought, I think what's going to be interesting is if we do see the quits rate for the November figures, whether that confidence is, you know, confidence in the economy, confidence in your future really bears out there. Because I think in in some aspects, the quits rate, your interpretation of the future prospects economically, I think speak volumes in that number. Yeah, that's a big number. And that's the one I like to look to every, when we have the Jolts report and, this month, I mean, yeah, it's, it's for September, so it's a little dated. But judging by if you've been to any fast food restaurants or any any place, really, grocery stores or department stores or things like that, and you'll have noticed that the staffing is a major issue. So I would think that that's yeah. not really going anywhere. Um, I mean, we'll have to wait and see until we have the actual hard data, but just based on anecdotally what I've seen here in the Northeast, at least. But, but it, it is interesting, 6% of retail uh, employees quit their jobs last month. And that was after another 6% the previous month. It's not, it wasn't last month, it was September. And so anyway, so which, that, that to was Steve, to Which to Steve's point is, is going to be inflationary too, right? Sure. Um, with, with, with the biggest reason people are pointing to it is that there are, there are other opportunities they'd rather take and the pay just doesn't make sense to stay in some of those jobs. Mm-hmm. And so they're looking for elsewhere and wages are, are sticky, right? That's the mm-hmm. sticky part of inflation. We're always talking about supply chain bottlenecks and otherwise, which are a big part of why we're having these one-off huge prints. And then the next month, it may not be anything, but the next month, the big print, that's, those are all kind of, those might be transitory, but the wage inflation is not going to be. And so how much of that sticks around from month to month is going to be the interesting question. Indeed. 
All right, let's move on to the second segment of the show where we discuss our favorite stories, seeking alpha articles, tweets, not our own tweets, um, or other things that we have seen in our travels. And let's start with Kim. I'm going to take a look at uh, the stock uh, Funware. Um, it's a ticker PHUN, which in my opinion really lives up to its ticker if you like um, memes and and trendy trends and everything that um, goes along with that. It's a it's a small company um, that does applications, um, does some pure peripherals, and um, it reported earnings this week. Um, earnings are kind of beside the point, but they did turn a profit. It's uh, gotten notoriety recently because of the um, Donald Trump media group SPAC, uh, DWAC. Um, it kind of had the halo effect and soared um, at one point more than 1,500% on the day because it had been involved with the campaign and making an application for it. So then um, that kind of faded, but then it, it bounced up and it's still you know, well above what it was before that surge going into earnings because it's, it's buying Bitcoin and just putting it on its books, even though it appears to be buying pretty much near the top where Bitcoin is. But if you look even, even further into this, this stock, it's like, it's got such great meme credentials that went, it went public via SPAC in 2019, well before anybody was talking about it. As soon as it did go public, it soared to over $300. It's now at three. It sort of over $300 um, on a short squeeze that was like the, the level of GameStop. And uh, there's an, we have an interview on Sneaking Alpha with the CEO explaining how Wall Street banks at the time were calling him saying, we can't buy your stock. Our market makers have stopped us from buy, submitting buy orders, which is exactly what happened with retail investors of Robinhood. So I think it's a good, it's a fun stock to look at, and also a great interview if you catch it on our site with the CEO, where he goes at the whole mean thing, why he's buying crypto, and also defends a lot of criticism on his balance sheet. Mm, very interesting. Although a reminder that the just because something looks like a meme stock doesn't mean it will become one, and vice versa. I mean, who could have dreamt that a a, a retailer, a bricks and mortar retailer for video games would become the meme stock of the year, basically. But anyway, Brad, what about you? Well, what about a bricks and mortar movie theater? Yeah, exactly. That's another um, example. That'll be my story of the week with AMC's call and I'm, uh, Steve smiling. I hope this is not his favorite story, yeah. but the, um, you know, same themes I think are at play here, right? Crypto exposure with AMC on the on the call, uh, the on the earnings call. The CEO talked about how they're going to be accepting various crypto payments. They also are looking to sell some of their popcorn. Um, I guess considering I, I think they're taking people's indications of purchasing at the theaters uh, that they truly like the popcorn. That could be the case. I, you know, I'm. I'd be curious to see how that how that endeavor uh, goes, but we we had great coverage of the of the call on our site. It's it's just a it's a really great read um, of of the transcript, and it also this story also has kind of parallels with with what we're talking about with Elon Musk, right? Uh, the AM, AMC CEO has a lot of stock. He was paid in stock. Um, he notably went out of his way on the call to talk about how he didn't sell when he could have, um, but he's going to sell a lot now. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll diversify a lot of his stake, I think, to the tune of tens of millions of dollars. Um, and look, it's true. He didn't sell when you know the stock was up more than a thousand percent earlier in the year, but the stock has still done extremely well um, if you look at the stock chart. So um, anyway, just kind of a fun story. Uh, the earnings were also, as as Kim said, beside the point. Um, what was more interesting was just to listen to what 
what the CEO had to say about his ownership and uh, where a going out theme stock will will end up um, during this pandemic. Mm. I went to the movies for the first time since the pandemic a couple of weeks ago. So take that for what it's worth. Was it Steve, an AMC? I don't know. Are these? I, I can't. I can't tell. Um, I don't think it was. Um, I'm planning on going to the movies this weekend. So first time first since top, the pandemic. Yeah, 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 yeah. So All yeah, fast. what about your favorite story, Stephen? Uh, the iHome buying story. Um, you know, Zillow has been eviscerated because they they failed to execute on that. Uh, Open Door reported earnings this week, and and they're doing just fine with it. And the stock stock had a nice week. Open Door over the last six months is up thirty percent, while Zillow's down uh, nearly fifty percent. Uh, Open Door, of course, was dedicated to kind of this I buy model from the start, where Zillow kind of went outside maybe their circle of competence and and, and got into it uh, later. Uh, so it just it suggests maybe just you know, the DNAs of the two companies were a little bit different. And maybe, maybe you know, maybe iBuying can work as a model. Maybe, you know, and Zilla just kind of like blew it. Um, so our, our uh, editor, uh, Liz Keish, had a nice kind of roundup of, of Zillow, Open Door, and uh, one other company who's, who's also into iBuying, whose name escapes me. Uh, like right iPad now. or something like that. Something yeah, like OpenPad maybe? or Open, yeah, that can be it. And, uh, and also uh, Redfin, uh, their earnings were last week. They're, they're much more of a brokerage name than, than in iBuying. Um, but a, the money quote from the CEO last week was, oh, what a relief it is. And he's talking about that the um, home prices are everything in the home market's kind of coming back to normal a little bit um, and to a more sustainable level. He knows that the hottest kind of pandemic markets, think Boise, Idaho, uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, Tacoma, Washington, uh, you're seeing lots and lots of price drops. I think uh, like 60% of listings are have price drops at some point now versus just 12% a year ago. Uh, there's a lot, lot less competing bids. Uh, so a lot of the issues that Zillow was having where prices were just kind of getting uh, away from them, uh, you know, that might be kind of self-correcting now. Hmm. Very interesting. And for me, I am once again going to draw attention to our pros subscription service. This is where we highlight the most actionable and interesting Seeking Alpha articles that come in from our contributors. And this is a subscription service, like I said, where I spend most of my time these days. And there was a piece here by Joris Giesendorf, and I believe I pronounced his name correctly, about Turkcell, the Turkish telecoms company. And he is bullish on this stock. It has dropped precipitously over the last year or so, mainly out of concerns about Turkey itself. Inflation in Turkey is running rampant, but he points out that this company's pricing is basically pegged to inflation and also that Turkish GDP is showing some substantial growth now. So this is kind of one of these contrarian buy the dip ideas that I, I like to find and locate and highlight for the readers, the prose readers. No, no, so no anyway. Turkey, um, Steve, their central bank lowered rates in the face of their inflation. So there's that. We could have that alternative as well. Yeah, yeah, that's going to work out well. Under orders. I can see the Fed doing that, yeah. There's too much inflation, so we're going to lower rates. Right, more QE. All right, then. Well, with that, we uh, wrap up this week's episode. Thank you all for watching and listening. If you are listening 
Remember that the video airs on Friday afternoon, right around the market close, 4 p.m. on the website seekingalpha.com. And the slightly longer audio version is out on Saturday morning at 6.30 a.m. You get that through the Wall Street Breakfast uh, podcast account. And with that, we sign off for today and wish you a happy and healthy weekend and look forward to speaking to you again next week. That concludes today's Wall Street Breakfast. Thank you for listening. For the best investment analysis and news on the web, go to SeekingAlpha.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can sign up for our other podcasts, Behind the Idea, Essay for FAs, Let's Talk ETFs, the Cannabis Investing Podcast, and Marketplace Roundtable on those platforms as well. Have a great day.